Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. And joining me here in the Southern Illinois studios is a man who spent all of his prep time for this show looking for Easter eggs in the renderings of the new Lufus Plaza at Centene Stadium. It's producer Mason. Did you find yourself in any of the renderings, Mason? Maybe. (laughs) There is suspicion that I might be in one of them very far away. Uh, but yeah, no, I was looking through them like a, it's a Where's Waldo book, and I found um, Matt Baker twice. How about that? How about that? <laughs> suspicion of a suspicious character like you and an official rendering by a club <laughs> seems suspicious. <laughs> and also joining us from Whereabouts Unknown, but uh, we think we can pin him down somewhere in uh, West St. Louis County is a man who agrees with Giorgio Cellini and Gareth Bale that Nashville is just too damn hot. It's Sean Campbell. How are you doing this week, Sean? Oh, I'm doing just dandy. Tried to find myself in the renderings, seeing as, as how I always seem to find myself in the pictures on the app. But alas, I could not find myself. If you do, please tag me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or do your own Photoshop and send him in and, and send it to us at uh, Soccer Capital on, uh, on Twitter or SoccerCapital at gmail.com via email. We I would, would love, love to see, to see your edits. Image. It'd be so <laughs> funny for the only fan art we ever get to be one person sending in a Photoshop of the renders with Sean also in it. <laughs> Since they always seem to cut me just out of the photos, I don't have to worry about this. And I'm cool with that. I like to keep the evidence down on the down low, you know. (laughs) Uh, But that being said, we've got another big show for you. We do have some St. Louis City news to talk about. The aforementioned Lufus Plaza being part of that. And we're going to have a little MLS for you as well. But let's get started off with the big news that came in a press conference today with a lot of big big wigs uh, outside the stadium of the club and sponsors. They were there to announce that uh, there is a new founding uh, corporate uh, partner for St. Louis City SC, and that would be the Lou Fuse Automotive Network. Uh, They are joining the club as a sponsor. They're also going to have the naming rights to the Southeastern Entry Gate and the Lufus Fuse Plaza, which looks to be kind of interesting, if really difficult to say. Lufus. (laughs) Lots of Zs and Zs in there, uh, which aren't normal. Uh, This is 125,000 plus feet of uh, Plaza Park. That's going to be on the, was it the south end of the stadium? Yes. No, it's on, it's the more east on the end. east the side. The east end, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, the actual Greenway Trail, the bike walking path will run right through the plaza. It'll be just off from uh, one of the parking garages there. And uh, as St. Louis City SC CEO and President Carolyn Kendall Betts called it a gathering, and this is a quote, a gathering space in the front yard of Centene Stadium. What's Sounds in the backyard? <laughs> yeah, what's in the backyard? I, I 
I like to imagine the backyard of the stadium be some basketball hoops, maybe a volleyball net, some barbecue grills. It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> a 1994 Dodge Neon on blocks. Yeah, and a little <laughs> rock garden with a tiny little fountain. That, a, a koi pond. That'd be nice. Specifically Actually, on blocks. pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, with the, the car on blocks, you know, the... The front yard's going to have nice shiny cars with, with, from Lou Fuse Automotive. With a tarp half over it. Yeah, they got one on blocks. <laughs> Rusting out. You know, it's a project. It's a project for the team. And what Hopefully. a terrible fate for a good Dodge Neon. <laughs> Is there such thing as a good Dodge yes, Neon? Yes, the first generation Dodge Neon was a good car. The next generation was not. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree with him. Though... I'm not buying one. <laughs> I got my uh, 10-year-old strike that 14-year-old uh, Ford Focus that's paid for, and I consider since it's paid for to be the best type of car, which is paid for. A dear friend of mine uh, just traded in a paid-for car for a new one, and I think that he is an utter fool. <laughs> well, it comes to a point eventually. At some point, maybe it starts breaking down. You foresee paying more for maintenance than payments. Yeah, you know how it goes. Anyway, this has been Automotive Chat. Sponsored <laughs> by Lou Fuse Automotive Network. Uh, no, it has not, because they haven't paid us. Uh, yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, part of the future features of the Lou Fuse Plaza are kind of cool. Uh, permanent concession stand uh, that will be open week long, around the clock. Well, I don't know about around the no, clock. No, I don't know. I don't know about hours. But That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> there is, uh, I think, like from the press release, what I gleaned was that there is going to be at least one concession stand that is open uh, seven days a week. Don't know about hours, but there is going to be at least one place that is open there for some time that you can go and kind of hang out there like it's a public park, right? Yeah. Uh, though, looking at the renderings, uh, there was a few tents in the middle. Otherwise, it looks like it's going to be a hot spot. In other yeah. words, sweltering <laughs> and <laughs> keep granny out of the, bring an umbrella for granny. <laughs> <laughs> a spot that will melt your nan. <laughs> yeah. But it does look really cool. It looks like a great place to meet before the game. Uh, I'm envisioning uh, us in the supporter section with the march to the match, going right through the plaza in front of everybody, really getting the hype up. That's That seems really exciting. Yeah. Uh, no, it would if be... If it happens that way. Don't know if it will. Yeah, because um, I'm really blanking on which end of the stadium the supporter stands are, but... Um, it would be cool, uh, from talking to the Lilligans in the past and what they've said, it sounds like they are kind of planning to start the march from the Schlafly Tap Room across the street, but, you know, that's only like, you know, half a block to wind around and come, this is come the in south from the end, far side. That would be on the north end, but it makes a good march to march around the stadium, come up through the plaza and, uh, really get everybody fired up. Around the stadium. I could see that happening. That sounds really cool, to be quite honest. Uh, don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but that would be cool. Yeah. And uh, 
The space will offer music, games, youth activities, <laughs> yard darts, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> no, I think those are illegal. They said now. youth, <laughs> not college. <laughs> uh, food. You'll poke your eye out. <laughs> and of course, vehicle displays. What was it you called it, Mason? It's a park that sells cars. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one cool thing is, uh, along 20th Street, they're planning for, uh, space and power for a bunch of food trucks as well, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to their own, uh, the concessions that'll be, a stadium-based will be opened, I think they said both into the plaza and into the stadium, right inside the gate, so, uh, perfect place to, uh, you know, have that fatal beer before you go into the match. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to not remember the game, that's the place <laughs> to check out. Hey, but um, you'll cheer a lot. Yeah. That's but, what um, we like. When when I read the press release, um, and also because I'm stupid and a moron and don't know how big 125,000 square feet is, um, I thought that this was going to be across 20th street which is the the eastern bound of the footprint of the stadium it's going to be within that footprint right yeah. um but i thought it was like it's like there's buildings there like <laughs> the like stores and shops and stuff like so they're just gonna like bulldoze like a city block and build a park there yeah but they could you bulldoze them over they could get a food truck or a concession stand i mean <laughs> what, what do you want yeah, well, it's the same thing <laughs> no fuck. Maybe maybe a host or a writer for a uh, engineering documentary can put uh, 125,000 square feet into uh, how many football fields that would be, since a football field has become a standard of measurements <laughs> on such shows. Yeah. because we only measure in freedom units that's, here. That's right. Paging, well, there's your problem. <laughs> so, Lufu's Automotive Network has arrived as another founding partner in the corporate scheme of things for a MLS, uh, you know, major league club. And whether you're excited about that or not, it is important to the running of such entities. And no matter what sport, anywhere that you aspire for the biggest things in uh, North American sports. Speaking of also arriving... Our presumed striker, Chow Klaus, arrived in St. Louis this week. We saw the pictures on Twitter. Uh, supposedly, he'll be starting to train pretty soon. And uh, that's something to get forward to, uh, looking forward to as the European signings start to filter in, settle into life here in the States. Notably, not in a hard hat, <laughs> uh, but also standing on the very nice uh, pitch. We're talking about grass again, folks. <laughs> This is the grass culture, <laughs> but no, it was it was a it was a quite a nice picture of of Jao Klaus kitted up with uh with swag, if you will, um, and in in the stadium, which is coming along nicely. Um, I imagine this photo was very recent, and it looks damn near done. Uh, it looks really good in there. The pitch looks good, um, and. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy that our players are arriving. They say it's supposed to be done July 22nd. No word yet if they've got the supporters section fitted out with the uh, proper railings and uh, other inf- 
accoutrements infrastructure that is yes good word uh that's required to actually have supporters and uh, those of us with season tickets to have our stadium tour it'd be an absolute disaster (laughs) i have noticed that all these players have not been fitted with a uh city red and blue checkered shirt like matt seaback wears all the time i guess he's keeping that to himself and more power to Matt (laughs) on that yeah, that's not the club uniform. That's Matt Seebeck's uniform. <laughs> it's it's a company secret. <laughs> no, no, it's he's keeping that from the company. Uh, more power to you, Matt. Uh, other big news this week is a big showdown upcoming this Friday night. Friday, Friday, Friday in Edwardsville. <laughs> You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. (laughs) That's right. North Texas, uh, the MLS Next Pro team of Dallas FC and a byproduct of their much vaunted and world-known academy is uh, coming to town. They had been top of the table when we first got really excited about this. They have since dropped a little. They're in fourth place in the Western Conference. Uh, it was a buy this past week for City 2, the Tacoma Defiance of the Seattle Sounders. They did play a game. They were able to jump us in the standings, though we still have a game in hand on them. One point. <laughs> they got one point? One point on us. Oh, okay. One. One. Uh, but we have the game in hand, so we're ahead on points per game, which is really the way to try to forecast what's going to happen at the end of the season. But North Texas is by no means to be discounted. This is a tough team. Uh, there's a lot of talent flowing through that academy into this team. And uh, we're looking for a very, very good actual soccer match upcoming. Yeah, I mean, up until... Maybe even two weeks ago, North Texas looked to be our would-be conquerors. Um, they've slipped a bit. They're now fourth on the table. We are, as we said, second by one point behind Tacoma. Um, this is a good team. They were ahead of us for a long time. We barely jumped them because they've been scuffling a little bit in very recent form. Yeah, but- what are they? One, three, and one in the last five? Yeah, they, they've had a rough go of it very recently, but this is a good team, like you would expect from FC Dallas. And they're, much, like you said, much vaunted academy. Yeah, third place in the Western Conference is uh, Houston Dynamo Dos. Uh, they did have a big lead against North Texas. Was that in Houston? I believe it was North Texas. I could be wrong. Uh, North Texas did fight back late. And uh, get the draw in that one. Uh, very good game, cons- considering how good uh, Dynamo Dose has been at home. That must have been in da- in uh, North Texas. Yes, it was a home game, and it, it did go to overtime, to the shootout. Uh, North Texas lost to the Dynamo in the shootout, but it was a very concerted effort. Two goals in the second half to draw them even uh, before full time. I mean, yeah, like you can look at like their win and loss in the last five and be like, "Eh, this is this is a team that's not very good. We know better. Yeah, they are four to one 
uh, combined record away from home so far this season. Uh, they're fourth in the Western Conference. That puts them fifth overall as the Western Conference is stronger than the East, though the Columbus Crew, too, or whatever they're called, uh, is also very strong over in the Eastern Conference. Give you some uh, preview for this. And remember, this is Friday night, 7 p.m., right? Yes. At uh, Ralph, Corey Ralph Corey Stadium, Stadium in Edwardsville. Uh, we are going to be there. Yes. With bells on. No, we won't have bells on. Uh, we are bringing friends. I should say two of the three of us, because, Sean, you're not sure yet, are you? Uh, not at the moment. I'm going to see what I can do. Efforting. I might be able to make it. Efforting. Sean is efforting. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, two of the three of us will be there, me and Mike. Um, and I am bringing a, a cadre of my friends who do not watch... And in some cases, do not even like soccer. So you hey. will have to be kind to them. <laughs> but it's a- I do have to ask, though. Can can I just send you a picture and you guys just make a little cardboard cutout and put it on a, on like a poster <laughs> or a stick and just carry me around? And I'll find my way into pictures. <laughs> yeah, somehow yeah, I'll, I'll print out your Facebook profile picture and, and glue it to a stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that one. It's got to be the picture that made it onto the app that you described earlier. <laughs> Of the one where you look like the <laughs> like the, the Highlander? <laughs> yes, otherwise that's me and SKC gear, and they can't put SKC gear on it on the app. That's just <laughs> sacrilege. <laughs> it's sacrilege, no matter how you look at it. But uh, moving on, it is... Wrong, sir! It is the 12th anniversary of the primary supporters group, uh, the St. Luligans. And they will be hosting... A tailgate before the game starts at, what, 5 p.m.? Yes, two hours before kickoff. Um, a birthday bash, and happy birthday to our friends in the Luligans. Yes, happy birthday. We're we're impressed. We're really... They, this is a big deal for the start of the team. Not only get the lead in with the MLS Next Pro and the Academy and the players already signed coming in to get to train, but the supporters group already is in set, really knows what's going on and knows how to organize. Uh, The primary one, there's other supporters groups out there that that we're fans of as well. Uh, All comers are welcome, but uh, this is the primary one. And what better for a birthday bash for a supporters group than have Mason bring in a bunch of friends that aren't even soccer fans. (laughs) They are going to have a lot of fun, and maybe they will be soccer fans after they come to the game. I sure hope so. Um, one thing I do want to say about these times is the the forecast for Friday is a high of 101 in St. Louis, and I don't imagine it'll be much cooler in Edwardsville. These times may be pushed back, so so keep watch if you're planning to go and make sure that you know your timetables because... The last time we went to a game, the 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 kickoff time got pushed back because it was like 99 or something like that uh, got pushed back by an hour. The tailgate still started at like four, uh, which meant three hours of tailgating. And <laughs> oh, boy, was that a time. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a good time. Yeah. But uh, but if you're planning to go, keep your eye out because it's expected to be very hot that day. Plan accordingly. Keep your eye out on the times. Um Players to watch for North Texas, there's a couple to really keep your eye on. Number seven, Bernard Camunga, 
really seems to be the driving force of this team. He's the club leader in goals at nine, has also played 1,377 minutes, the most on the team. In addition to the nine goals, he has three assists, and he started all but one game and has only been subbed off three times. That's a player that's a, that's they're really counting on. Uh, another one to watch is Hope Aveyeva. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he's number 10 on his jersey, and he leads the team in assist with six. Camungo is uh, second on the team with three assists. So those are the ones to watch, and those are some impressive numbers. Yeah. Um, to give you kind of a, a, a grounding point, uh, Josh Doling leads St. Louis City with seven goals, and Ezra Armstrong leads with three assists. So this is a good team. Yeah, but they really got their numbers focused up at the top in the attack. Uh, Which isn't surprising. Yeah, the assist key passes are pretty well spread around City. Uh, Which makes sense, considering uh, how they're setting up to get ready for their inaugural season. Mm A little bit more prepping for actual, you know, spots in MLS more than a lot of the other teams. But anything that comes out of the Academy to FC Dallas has to be taken seriously. Absolutely. Um, we're going a little off spec here, but um, you alluded to something that I think is a very real thing, which is we, uh, with St. Louis City 2, the team is built so much differently than every other team in MLS Next Pro, engineered towards a different goal than any other team, and I think that's why it's such a good team. These are these aren't guys who are trying to it, it, these are not guys and also not coaching staff that is trying to to win to make first team on a new year club. These are guys who need development, right? They, they just need playing time. They need to play. They need to get better. These are guys who are hungry, who want their their time in the spotlight, especially guys like Josh Yarrow and Juan Cazane. Who we've talked about. Um, yeah, all the guys that Larry uh, Henry Jr. mentioned on last last week's show. Yeah, but um, I think that that's why St. Louis City 2 is such a good team in MLS Next Pro this year and kind of steamrolling other teams is it's why we beat Colorado Rapids 2 when they brought the entire first team down, first team down and we still beat them. It's because these are these are MLS caliber players. <laughs> it's also why uh, we got a mark on the back and why the Rapids 2 came out and pulled every trick in the book to try to win and did in, in St. Louis on the repeat game. One interesting note about this upcoming game is that this is our first match against North Texas. Therefore, the new red card rule where the suspension will be served against the other team will be in play. For this game, just going, just going back a a, a quick sec. Um, like Mason said, these guys are guys that are MLS ready. But uh, um, the one difference that I've noticed is usually when you're on a an MLS two team, you're less trying to make your name to to get onto the first team. You're more so trying to just get playing time for when you get called up. These guys are guys that are fighting for that spot to make the first team. And again, yeah, we've got those, the, the five guys that Larry Henry talked about, but 
there are other guys that we might see within the next year on that squad and they're that they're fighting for their lives right now to get into that position. Yeah, it'll also be interesting to watch, and this might apply to other teams in MLS Next Pro, but how many of the guys that don't make it onto the roster or supplemental roster spot uh, with St. Louis City that are trying, big ones on the list, will move on to like USL Championship to further their pro career in that way and take that pathway. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean... If that's what it is, um, I'm sorry to see them go because I like all the guys on the team. But if that is the best pursuit of their pro soccer career, then then good on them. I wish them the best of luck. It'll also be interesting to see how good and what kind of build you have for City to next season when the MLS first team rolls. Uh, what kind of support you get? What kind of knowledge will we be reporting about City 2 every week next year? Maybe not. That's just the truth and thing as it is when the first, you know, the major league team comes into town. uh, Development, maybe somebody else will start up a podcast to talk about development with St. Louis City. Another uh, thing to watch out for this upcoming City 2 match is, has to do with the new MLS Next Pro red card suspension rule, where if you still have a match left with your opponent, somebody gets a red card then the suspension is served not in the next game but against the next game against that opponent since they instituted it mid-season it doesn't apply in a lot of cases but this is the first meeting between north texas and city two so uh it any red cards that might be gotten either straight reds or you know two yellows to accumulate in this game the suspension would be served uh, against the opponent later on in the season. Very specifically, our second to last regular season game is away at North Texas. This is the only quote unquote rematch game that we have left in our schedule since that rule has taken effect. So for for us, at least, this is the only time that that rule will really be in play. If if one of our players or one of their players takes a straight red, we could see that make an impact in that in that penultimate game. Uh, North Texas is also high up, what number two on the table for fouls committed, whereas St. Louis City two is definitely mid table on that. So they commit a lot of fouls. Uh, maybe somebody like Kamunga or. Abayeva will <laughs> get a little froggy in this uh, away match and uh, sit out the next game. We just hope it isn't somebody like uh, Akil Watts or Kyle Hebert or some of the others that are crucial to City that uh, you could see getting. Yeah, AJ Palazzolo or or really anyone in the midfield. We We can't lose... That this midfield is so dominant in the way that they play and press in preventing the turns, even half turns, and also making the bad passes happen. Um, there's a high amount of cutout passes or just bad turnovers by the other team in the mid in in the middle of the pitch, and that's all all the work done by the midfield, and we can't lose anybody there. Yeah, and they're so key to the high pressing system that uh, they, that leads also to the chance to mistime your tackle and uh if you got your studs up a hair you could 
be sent off for something that you've been doing all season long. Yeah, but we we talked about this when we talked to Larry last week. Um, you know, we didn't really bring it up so much with Juan Cousin because Juan Cousin was on the list. But Palazzolo, everyone in that midfield is so crucial to why we generate so many chances, even if they don't get finished. That midfield is so important to this team. Oh, 100 percent. And I mean, even if we don't finish those chances, the more chances you create, the more likely it is you're going to put them in the back of the net. Um, and it's not just the same chance over and over again. Getting a variety of chances is most important. But it's it's like Michael Scott said, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, yeah. Michael Scott. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of our friend Larry Henry Jr. and continuing on with MLS Next Pro, one last thing. Uh, MLS Next Pro Invitational with uh, three squads from MLS Next Pro, as well as uh, the Chelsea U21s, I believe, and the Wolverhampton Wolves U21s are starting their own little tournament thing out in uh, Utah. Uh, there was an article by Larry Henry Jr. on MLSNextPro.com. Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, giving you all the lead-in that you need for this. One thing that'd be good to watch is uh, Axel Kai, the 14-year-old wonderkind of Real Monarchs. Uh, see how he performs against European converse, uh, competition. Uh, unfortunately, his first game, I believe, is tonight, the night of recording, which is Tuesday after you listen to this. But uh, they are all streamed on MLS Next Pro. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same the joke. The stream will cut out after they score yeah, every goal. It's the same joke we made last week. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this competition starts tonight to the night of recording, so it has already happened for you, the listener, unfortunately. Um, maybe you, maybe since we gave you a heads up, you watched it. Uh, if you did, let us know, because I will be busy. I won't be able to watch it. <laughs> but um, it also... Fixing things in post. Yeah, it, uh, it runs through the week, so... There are more games to come. As if there isn't enough on your soccer plate than to watch MLS Next Pro with teams you don't follow. But, hey, it, it could be fun. Interesting to watch. All right. I think that wraps up all the city news that we have this week. Uh, actually, more than I anticipated, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time to move on to a little roundup of MLS. And why? Because especially as uh, the start of City SC's first team comes, the European players coming in, it's important to follow MLS, know the teams, and know the players so you can anticipate what might happen in the offseason as they start to finish out the building of the roster. And to lead us with the rundown this week is Sean Campbell. Hopefully this week we can keep it more quick hits and not have to release an entire second episode for y'all. God, I but, can't uh, believe there was a whole other weekend of games after all that. I know, right? After the absolute insanity that was the first half, I'm calling it first half of Rivalry Week because there were still some rivalry games um, in this in this past weekend. Um, but I'm going to hope and try to keep this a little bit quick hits. Uh, we'll start off with a little bit of 
some some French Canadian rivalry going on between CF Montreal and Toronto FC. You just ticked Montreal. off everyone in uh, <laughs> Ontario, but carry on. Tour, Tour de Canada. Ah! <laughs> eh, all their street signs are in English <laughs> and in French. It's just English is first in Toronto and English <laughs> is second in Montreal. Yeah, uh, That's the only difference. Please, it's all Canada. It's all America's hat to it's all America's hat to me. Anyway, <laughs> CF Montreal hosts Toronto FC. They get all the one nil win. <laughs> ah! Yeah, Jose. Yeah, they they can come fight me on the pitch. Montreal ends up hosting Toronto FC in in a match. Um, Montreal ends up getting the win one nil, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that Georgie Mihailovic is back on the field, and I'm very happy to see that myself. Love the guy. Absolutely love watching him play. He's fantastic. Absolutely exciting player. He comes on and what in the 60th minute and then nine minutes later in the in the funny number minute ends up helping set up a goal. <laughs> yeah, but absolute champ of that team. Funny number. Absolutely. Minute. Was it in wingdings? <laughs> you know what he meant. <laughs> I know. Carry on. 69, dude. Yeah. Nice. It's the weed number. <laughs> wrong <laughs> but no uh georgie coming back is going to be nothing but ex- he takes this montreal team for being a good team in mls and makes them a great team in mls when he's on his game yeah and no, he, i for one am very happy to see that he really does carry montreal like on his back he is the champion of that team the absolute hero Moving on, we, we've got another another bit of a rivalry game here. We've got the Union versus the Revolution. Uh, Union hosts that game, and they continue on their absolute steamroll of the Eastern Conference, winning 2-1 over the Revolution, who seem to have fallen a bit by the wayside this year. And uh, I, I can only think that's a bit of the soccer gods coming in and saying, you know, you get record points last year, you get no points this year. Yeah, getting into this. Trying to balance it out. In the second half, the Union looked very dynamic in the attack. Uh, on this one, but really, what stood out for me is what the hell was the Union head coach uh, Jim Curtin wearing? And it looked like he's out in his pajamas. He had like a white T-shirt, uh, undershirt over a pair of like tied up, uh, you know, clam diggers. <laughs> it's uh, casual Saturday, now man. His <laughs> sneaker game was on par as usual, but otherwise, it just stood out. It's like. I guess it's hot out there. I don't know. It's hot everywhere, but also it's casual Saturday. <laughs> Carry on. Welcome to corporate MLS, everybody. <laughs> yeah. it, man, I can't imagine like when the refs had to wear like blazers. <laughs> oh, no. God, no, please, no. <laughs> but anyway, moving forward, um, got a bit of a surprise game here, although I'm not sure how surprising it really is. Uh, the Chicago Fire end up hosting the Sounders and taking them out 1-0. Is it really that surprising with how the Sounders have been playing lately? I don't think so. Yeah, but thing. just looking at some of the quotes that these guys have said over the last couple of games, it seems like we may have found that womp rat-sized exhaust vent in the Death Star <laughs> that is Seattle. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Is like, you know, Seattle won the the Champions League. And they were so well poised to just demolish league play. And they're bad. They're just not very good as a team in MLS. Uh, no, they're they're not. And we've often seen this champion, uh, CONCACAF Champions League uh, hangover effect. Yeah, the team. hangover. 
but it is the biggest trophy that any MLS club has ever gotten. Let's be honest. But the biggest thing here is the loss of Jao Paulo has been brutalized. And then the 16-year-old Obed Vargas, who was so good, is out as well. And they move Rusnak back, trying to move up the ball quicker up the pitch. And they're so slow. Other teams have picked up on it. And they're just killing the Sounders' attack. They counter, They cut off the counterattack and knew who they've switched to a four-in-the-back situation. Knew who's not nearly as good as a fullback as he was to a center back. He's sort of a liability, not really pushing the ball forward. And the Sounders just aren't very good right now. And Jao Paulo has a lot to do with that, with the loss of him. Uh, people are recognizing their weaknesses without Jao Paulo and you know, capitalizing on that and the fire did it to perfection and actually got the win and got the much needed three points for them. Uh, but that keeps Seattle much closer to the basement. For Chicago, and I, yeah. for one, love to see it as much as I love to see an MLS team get the biggest, the biggest club trophy, this side of the prime Meridian. <laughs> um, I, I still, I still love to see Sounders. Not, I was going to say our hate for Chicago versus our hate for Seattle, which one will win. <laughs> uh, but it hasn't hit the all-star break yet. See what the Sounders do in the second half. But right now, they're scuffling. Uh, they put a lot into winning CCL, and they did it. And more power to them. It might be enough trophy for the season to make the whole season a huge success. Uh, we'll see. They've never missed the playoffs. They've never even not had a home game in the playoffs. And this might be the season all that changes. And I think they'll change that for the CCL trophy. I don't know. Uh Interesting developments in Seattle, uh, to put it lightly. <laughs> Interesting, indeed. Much to consider. Much to consider. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but moving along to a more exciting game, we've got a little bit of Southeastern rivalry. Not really rivalry, but eh, closely ge- cho- close geographically. Anyway, moving down to Florida, we've got Inter-Miami against Charlotte FC, and... Enter Miami makes a big comeback from being down two goals to win it 3-2. And, uh, wow, just have to give a shout-out to Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, He's fantastic. (laughs) Put him on blast, and uh, Phil, also Phil Neville, put him on blast earlier, just not up to snuff. Phil Neville made the hard decision, put him on the bench, brought in Campania, who injected life and vitality to the team. And instead of sulking and going, I'm too good for this, Higuain has bought in to coming in as a super sub. And quite frankly, he's been much, much, much better. Like the old man was pacing himself starting. Now he can come in and be his old self for a few minutes. He had a wonderful goal in this, scored the week before. He was actually tracking back on defense. He's doing everything you expect a star player to be. And even if he's super sub coming in as a DP and the resources it could be, he could still be impactful, though not DP level impactful, unfortunately. Yeah, but he's still like been like nose to the grindstone putting in the work and has made Inter-Miami a much better team than arguably they should be. Neville's done a really good job getting this team together. Chris Henderson coming over Seattle to lead the team in the build. They build up with MLS players. Higuain probably figuring out that maybe his time is done and buying into it. It it just all helps. And you're seeing a team that should be more moribund 
Still outside the playoffs, still not a good team. But boy, there's so much more exciting for those fans to come watch now. Ah, Minnesota United and the Loons are on an absolute steamroll of form lately. And it seems a floundering DC United are the next victim um, on the back of a another absolutely champion level performance from Reynoso. Uh, the Loons end up end up winning two nil at home. Oh man! Okay, yeah. So Reynoso finishes the first goal, ultimately the game winner, right? Um, but I gotta talk about this assist from Amaria because he straight up comes in with the Chun-Li Street Fighter like like karate kick studs to the ball <laughs> jumps up and then karate kicks the ball as a pass right to, <laughs> right to him and he puts it in I, I watched this game and I think that I have shaken the mantle of watching the boring, the most boring games in MLS this week because I watched this and this was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I don't recall. Well, I'm glad you got to see something exciting for one. Yeah, I know. For real. Sure. <laughs> and uh, sure, I've probably seen something like it, but I can't recall. It, it was, it, it had to be a reflex motion. He just sort of puts a stud to you know, the bottom of his foot to the ball, puts it over to uh, Reynoso, goal, yeah, move on. Jump straight up and then, like, like straight, like, literally, like, Chun-Li Street Fighter kicks the ball. <laughs> it's the, gr it's so good. Go watch the highlights if you didn't watch it. It's so good. <laughs> it may have been even going through the uh, ad that's obligatory on MLSsoccer.com. And what we got next, Sean? Well, we've got another Dosacero result here with uh, mm. the Rapids hoaxing the LA Galaxy. The Rapids win 2-0, and the Galaxy seem to be holding on to a playoff spot for dear life after dropping three in a row. They are really tumbling down the standings after it looked like LA was the only, you know, the two teams that, don't, that had a chance at stopping Austin's reign of terror. Yeah, and after the game, we had the big Joseph Martinez rant in Atlanta last week. Cornerback uh, Derek Williams went on another rant, uh, putting his player, his teammates on blast for having like their own agenda during games instead of playing within the team concept. Uh, the build on this team makes you wonder how Chris Klein really keeps his job there, considering how far the Galaxy have fallen under his watch. Yeah, we'll see. Right now, they're not. They're just not as good. They started off well, but they're not as good. Maybe Landon takes that spot if it opens up this season instead. <laughs> no, he's smarter than that. Ah, he's got history with the team, though. I mean, come on. It's his squad. Come on. His, hey. his, statues, <laughs> his statues outside of the stadium, for Christ's sakes. But he was a superstar with the Quakes, and uh, they're actually probably a better team at this moment than them. I would take that job. Oh, that's a bold statement there, Mike. Yeah, it is. Cause, but hey, both ownerships really don't know what they're doing, so don't take either job, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's he, probably he, fair. Get him on at Everton instead. He's got head coach of the San Diego Loyal, and I might be looking at those and be like, well, that's a that's a sinking ship. I might just stay where I'm at. <laughs> He's got a good thing going with San Diego. Maybe he does. That means they'll hire Hackworth. 
God, please, no. No! No, I like uh, Coach. I don't want Coach to leave. (laughs) Please stay, Coach, if you're listening. We love you here. Come bring us more beer on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Please! Um, I guarantee you he takes one look at me and goes, he's the other one? Okay, caveat, you can only have it if he doesn't get any. (laughs) Mm. If ever was I would week, take the fall. Yeah, we're bringing non uh, non soccer fans as friends to this tailgate. Now's when we need to really impress them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, next, Sean. <laughs> next. Uh well, up next, I I already mentioned Austin's reign of terror. Well, let's let's dive on into this. They played uh, FC Dallas in Dallas, got a draw one one, and Dallas ends up dropping points. Yet again, and looking back, it looks like they only have one win in their last 10 games. And I'm sorry, but that just does not scream doing any type of well to me. No. But more importantly here, we have official results, as in this was the last game to be played in Copa Tejas this year. And Austin wins Copa Tejas with seven points Congrats to Los Verdes. Yeah, viva Los Verdes. Hooray. Yay. Our Moon Tower <laughs> soccer friends are going to be excited and uh, probably were excited. Hopefully, well, I don't know if they made the bus trip up to Dallas, but apparently uh, Los Verdes came out, waited around, and celebrated winning Copa Tejas with the trophy with their fans in the parking lot after the game. Not really sure what was going on, but apparently it was a setup. Uh, agreed to beforehand that it wouldn't be done in the stadium. <laughs> Interesting stuff. I imagine our friend Clayton, uh, who's a, a transplant from Austin, is also happy about this. So, yeah, I imagine he is. It's fun. It's fun. Good. Good for Austin. They, the fans there have been fantastic. Yep. They really have. I didn't know if the move, which was so shady, uh, to Austin was going to work. It's apparently worked wonders. It, it's just good stuff they got going in Austin. I want to know what the water... I want to know what's in the water there. Yeah, for real. Um, but while we're heaping praise on Austin, I do want to say that this this Jesus Ferreira, Paul Areola met Link up in the front of the FC Dallas attack stays lethal. Uh, they convert a lot of their chances. Uh, they only got one here, but it was it wasn't it Paul Ariola that scored in this game. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually FC Dallas's defense that's really not holding on to wins, and they're losing a lot of leads and things like that. So, and Ferreira had his chances, albeit tough because of the way he plays, but uh, they had a chance to win this. Yeah, but, but Austin earned it. Austin's. Pretty damn good, and Dreesy is up there for MVP this year. Austin is a fantastic team. I don't want to take anything away from Austin, but I do want to say that if you're also a fan of the U.S. men's national team, you should be watching the front of FC Dallas and that that Ferreira or Areola link up because I've I've been oh, big yeah. on it if- since that trade, and it it continues to convert results. Oh, we as a podcast have been big on that connection and and talking about that since it since the trade was made. And honestly, I think it I think Burhalter might be a, a little bit uh 
misplaced if he doesn't take Areola with him. Kind of sleeping on it, yeah. I think he yeah, will. Yeah, but that's that's a different discussion for a different episode later in the year. The World Cup uh, rosters have been expanded. I think Ariel will be there, if nothing else, than a defensive uh, pressing alternative to add to the lineup in the roster if he needs it for a matchup. But anyway, we've got another 1-1 draw here between Atlanta and Orlando, and I, I didn't get to watch this one. Mike, you said you watched it. Why don't you go ahead and give us the rundown on this one? Oh, this was fun. Uh, especially in the second half, uh, Gonzalo Pineda decided to... They were having trouble building for Atlanta. They went in the second half. He just put all that attacking talent that they've been accumulating, and somewhat sillily, uh, on the field at once, and just were tearing Orlando apart. This was back and forth. Uh, how Atlanta didn't win this, it's really hard to say, but one part is a goalkeeper for Orlando, Pedro Galese, who just was... A wall. Uh, he was a wall, but then his save against Dom Dwyer late in this is just astounding. Uh, perhaps the save of the year. This is, just was one hell of a fun match, and I believe this was on True ABC on this one. What a showcase. It, it was fun. Yeah, it was on like ESPN three slash ABC. Um, I watched this game as well, and uh, yeah, this one was a ton of fun. Even if it ended in a one-one draw, this one was really exciting. And that's all I got to say. All righty, well, moving up a coast a little bit, we've got a an actual derby for for us to talk about this week. We've got Red Bull New York hosting NYCFC at Red Bull Arena, so we don't get to take a take a shot at that tiny little banner. Darn. Cannot miss. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, Does not anyway. miss. <laughs> Consider how many games NYCFC has to play at Red Bull Arena. Who's the real home team here? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Red Bulls. It's always Red Bulls. <laughs> anyway, NYCFC goes into Red Bull Arena and gets the winner 1-0 on a Tati Cassianos goal. And we have to we have to wonder, as he becomes the second player in NYCFC history to hit 50 goals in career for that team, David Villa being the other... Um, also they are tied for most caps in the Derby with five each. Um, is this Tati's last goal in this matchup? Yeah. Reports actually have him strong reports and given the way he was reacting after the game, have him going to Girona, I believe it is in La Liga, uh, that's actually owned by the city football group. Uh, he'll be leaving shortly, I guess. They didn't get the $15 million bids they wanted for him, so City Football Group decided just to buy him, put him out into a European league, and see if they can uh, then sell him on from there. Same sort of thing they did with Jack Harrison. Worked well for him when he got sold to Leeds. Yeah, but I was going to say, like the the real play here, right, is at least what I saw, was that Man City is going to buy Tati and then loan him to Girona, which is also a City Football Group-owned club. So Man City is buying him from New York City. Which is and, a, man, a City Football Group team. Yeah, it, it is It is a internal shuffle. Like <laughs> Tati Castellanos is about to experience uh, shell corporations. <laughs> he is, in fact, a money laundering scheme. He's just being moved so that they can just give a bunch of money to, to New York City for no reason, and that's that's what's happening. 
But, you know, this isn't the first time such a thing's happened. As we already mentioned, Jack Harrison. Also, the same thing happened with Tyler Adams in the Red Bull group being sold from uh, New York Red Bulls over to uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, so it's similar. You got a talent like this, and probably outside of Manchester City, Tate Castellanos may be the biggest talent in the sellable asset that they have in city football group worldwide uh so they went ahead and since they didn't get the valuation they wanted even though supposedly he's only a couple of million off they took the gamble on him because they believe in him actually it's a pretty cool thing if you're a player to be quite honest maybe not such a cool thing for the game overall in general worldwide Something interesting came down uh, during the podcast I caught on Twitter. Taylor Twellman uh, had an interesting question. Friend now of the that, show. <laughs> not just for No, the just show. the hometown boy. Uh, does NYCFC, to replace him, make a play for LAFC's Christian Arango, who is on the outs, perhaps, at LAFC because of the Christian Bale signing? And Arango's goals per game in Gareth MLS. Bale. Is, did you do Christian Bale, Bale again? He did Damn, it again. <laughs> Susanna Collins. I blame it all on Susanna Collins. Uh, <laughs> but Christian Rangel's goals per game in MLS is absolutely astounding. And the fact that he might be on the market because they don't have room to make the Gareth Bale signing is it's kind of astounding in itself but there is amongst the big markets now in mls a plethora of riches while some other teams go scraping up uh table scraps i like to i would like to say though that uh gareth bale taking precedent over christian arango right now i think like we said last week this is uh this is bale making a move so you can be ready for world cup action um i don't think I don't know how long his contract's for, but I don't think he's going to be part of the long-term plans for LAFC like Arango might be, in which case this might just be a temporary blip in the radar for Christian, um, and Gareth might just, you know, be here to help them win while also getting ready, and then next year he signs either a short-term deal with someone else, because he was thinking about retiring from football altogether if he didn't make the, if Wales didn't make the cup this year. So I don't I don't I don't think that's a very valid claim to make. Yeah, because like Gareth Bale's contract is for like like minimum basically, but he's basically there at like loan, right? He's there to It's it's a TAM deal. It's a TAM yeah, deal. Yeah, he's there to like play out the rest of the season and then and then it's up in the air, right? He's not staying long term at LAFC. It was the other L.A. team that uh, did a TAM deal for one Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, that turned into a multi-year contract because then he got the DP contract with the big salary and other considerations. And after he left the squad as a DP, it was told that the ownership of the club had sold another football club to him or a big stake in such. Ibrahimovic also has his own brand, personal brand, uh, that he wanted a foothold in the United States, and he did very well in uh, getting himself out there for that. Gareth Bale has made a lot of money at Barcelona. 
He doesn't need the cash, but he wants to he play. He's his... a gamer. Yeah, he wants to play. But also, does he have ideas on personal brand and getting into the U.S.? You know, there's a yeah. lot there, and there's an option for a second year, and he could be on that DP contract if LAFC can clear it out and put him on it, and maybe make another sweetheart behind the scenes, uh, behind the scenes deal that the MLS rules, crazy as they are, allow. Uh, we don't know. He could be a longer one, but uh, Christian Rango has been fantastic for LAFC. I, I would I think that honestly in the grand scheme of things even if they do bring Bale back for another year they don't get rid of Arango just because I mean first of all having the two of them on the field at the same time it just sounds like an amazing option first of all second of all um like I said just a bit ago Arango is probably their player of the future he's gonna be, it, unless they sell him on to you know because they have another talent that could take his place that can be there for a couple of years. Um, he's the player of the future. They're going to hold on to him, and he's going to be their scorer. Uh, yeah, but in well, I got a comment, so we'll, we'll save it for uh, when we talk about the LAFC game. We'll move along then. Yeah, we're, 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 we're talking about Tati Castellanos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you talk about one world class talent, uh, when you talk about one world class talent attacker, you talk about. All the world-class talent attackers that we have in MLS. Um, surprising I haven't mentioned Alan Polito yet. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. He's not playing yeah, this year. Yeah, anyway. you got to play to be elite. <laughs> Just shut up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not his fault. It's Mexico's fault for hurting him on international duty. But we're going to move to a different derby. Um, this one's between the Columbus crew and Cincinnati. Um the crew end up winning this game, and despite Cincy having an absolute great run of form this year, the crew still run the state rivalry, uh, and they win this game 2-0 on the backs of Cucho Hernandez, not Hernandez. No, yeah. Cucho yeah, Hernandez. Hernandez. Cucho yeah. Hernandez and Luca Zellerion absolutely showing why they d- they deserve to be in MLS and why they deserve the contracts they've been given by showing their penchant for scoring. Speaking of which, Mike, don't you have something to say about Cucho Hernandez? No, he's a fraud. Yeah, come on. He scored three goals in 73 minutes. He gets a start. He can only get one in six. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, let's move along. <laughs> yeah. Peek behind, Who chose the, peek real behind the curtain. He wanted me to say that so that I would be like the man tied to the tracks underneath the tram. Uh, no, he said that to me. That's his joke. Throw him under the bus. <laughs> I was being munificent because it was clever. Oh, look, what's in the rundown? The LAFC game that we said we had comments about. No, no, no. We're still talking about the crew. (laughs) We don't have much else to say outside of Cucho and Luca are just out here running this team and absolutely, absolutely running the show right now, putting up big numbers and you'll love to see it. I mean, like, quite frankly, like Cucho Hernandez is has been a stunner. Since he's arrived. Um, although, we're, it was extra time, right? Yeah, with Matt Doyle coming up with one of the other players that scored uh, goals in the first three games in MLS was a forgotten man, Diego Chavez, wasn't it? That he couldn't remember, looked him up, scored in four of the first five games with the Chicago Fire in 2011. Kalen Carr was on the podcast. 
He was on that team. Didn't remember him. Uh, and <laughs> Diego Chavez did not score for the next 20 games, scored in one more game, and then no longer was with the fire. Yeah. I think uh, Cucho Hernandez is going to have a lot better run. A lot Diego more longevity Chavez. than, yeah. <laughs> but no, I remember you cracking up listening to that. <laughs> you lost it. Was it was hilarious. <laughs> Well, anyway, speaking of that uh, Nashville LAFC game, we have the Nashville <laughs> LAFC game. Speaking of Gareth, um, speaking of Gareth Christian Bale, <laughs> speaking of Christian Bale deciding to start a soccer career, um, <laughs> Nashville hosts LAFC and they end up losing two to one to said to said LAFC. Uh, Bale and Cialini both make their debut for the club. Um, Bale made an absolutely gorgeous back heel pass around the, the Nashville defense and I, I can't stop watching that video which is it's just peak Bale and I love watching it I've been watching Bale since he was a young guy back at Spurs and he's got a soft spot in my heart for sure yeah he uh he uh looked like he's new to the team could trying to find a way to fit in the other players maybe not around him maybe deferring a little bit more than they should but his quality, there's a couple of touches that were ass, just astounding. Uh, he, yeah, it, he's he is of the highest quality, and I expect him to really work to fit in. Hopefully, he can fit in. Unfortunately, him and Vela like to occupy the same spaces, so him fitting into this team and pushing Christian Arango out, um is is going to be a real challenge for Steve Terundolo. It and really is kind of champagne problems in LAFC, isn't it? It is. Oh, yeah, 100%. And uh, one of the things about pushing Arango out is after the game, uh, head coach Steve Terundolo, instead of praising Arango, who scored in this game for his goal, criticized his defense. It makes you wonder if... Uh, you know, they're kind of making him a scapegoat so that they can afford this signing. Just, just wondering. Man, I, that's, that's like if, uh, if, if Ollie Marmel had come on after Arenado hit his second cycle and only spoke about that one error he made three games ago. Like, come on, man. Like, don't trash your players, man. But enough about that. The big takeaway from this game is uh, Giorgio Cellini got the start at center back, played for about 60 minutes, probably about all he's worth, um, out of shape. Bale came in late, but the biggest thing is afterwards, both of them complained about how damn hot it was in Nashville. <laughs> They're going to have to get real used to uh, air conditioning in North America, aren't they? And the funny thing is, in Europe right now, they're having record-breaking heat waves to where they're experiencing this. So when they complain, the European fans that are watching are go, yeah, you know, it's just the same there as here. It's no different. Yeah, come over here during the winter or during the summer and find out how different it is in North America. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Gareth Bale came from Barcelona, It's like this right? year round here. <laughs> yeah. It's like that year round here. But, like, Gareth Bale came from Barcelona, right? Where it's like... yeah. 
like currently no, like ours- 45 degrees Celsius, which is like 110 Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Nah, he came from Madrid. He came from Madrid. Oh, okay. But either way, they're experiencing heat waves that are putting record highs in all cities across the continent. So it's a little different when we're used to it and it happens on the day to day versus places that are built to, to, you know, not have to worry about extreme heats. But that's another podcast. That is. And uh, speaking of someone's going to have to get used to the. Not just the hot chicken in Nashville, but the hot weather is uh, U.S. MNT player uh, Shaq Moore, the fullback, has been signed by Nashville. Reportedly a $2 million transfer fee plus $50,000 in GAM to go to Clip de Foot, Montreal, uh, just for the discovery priority rights because MLS is so much fun. I, I am moving back to soccer, though. I do have to say, I don't think Shaq Moore is going to have to make much of an adjustment considering he was born in Georgia yeah. and knows how heat and humidity operate in this country. <laughs> it's it's hot down there. But moving along. Just a touch. <laughs> As the cure said, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> moving along to a not so hot yet somewhat hot match. We have a... 3-0 thromping by RSL of SKC. Um, SKC was down by one, then Roger Espinoza was given a, a bit of a soft red card, in my opinion, uh, considering he had possession of the ball and went to make a play on said ball. And then the RSL player runs in and gets taken down, but that's beside the point. Either way, the game was all downhill from there. It ended up 3 nothing, and... Uh, but yes, that that's about how this season has gone for Sporting KC. So moving on, uh, we have the Quakes and the Dynamo in San Jose, and Ache Ache goes the full ninety in this one, and the the Dynamo end up winning two one. And the uh, Quakes defense really went chaotic and wasn't up to snuff in this game, and it's something we really haven't seen out of San Jose since head coach Matias Almeida uh, was fired. Yeah, and Cavello uh, took over. They've yeah. been a very hot team and playing pretty damn well in MLS, but this one was a setback at home. And for a team without, you know, perhaps the request, requisite talent, uh, just uh, they just didn't get over the line. Yeah, this was also one of the games that I watched um, this week, or this weekend, rather, Um I watched the first half, and then by the second half, uh, the internet was bad and having a not good time, so I had to turn it all off. But in the first half, this game was exciting. It was back and forth. It was it was bad soccer, right? Like nobody looked good. Uh, that's kind of what San Jose does to you. But it was fun, right? It was back and forth. It was real exciting. But it was a uh, no. They weren't playing very good soccer. <laughs> uh. Get ready, St. Louis City SC fans. What's considered chaotic or bad, ugly soccer with the high press that Lutz wants to play? Bradley Carnell coming from New York Red Bull. Our games aren't going to be pretty. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I would rather have a team that wins than a team that plays pretty. But yeah, me too. I just want a team that's fun to watch and wins more often than not. 
like even getting into that seventh place playoff spot is, but having a team that you just go to, you watch a game and you're just like, man, that was great to watch. We lost, but damn, did I have a good time watching it? Yeah, that's what I want. Which, which that's easy to get when you go to the game, right? Because you get absorbed into the atmosphere. But when you watch it on TV, yeah, you kind of need a team like the Red Bulls or the Quakes, which mix things up and don't play the normal style. Gonna have to learn to love a really hard tackle and a little gamesmanship and a little rough stuff. I don't think it'd be hard for St. Louis fans to get behind a team. And like that, I was gonna to be say honest. you're you're all blues fans, right? You've watched hockey. <laughs> yeah, we know <laughs> hockey. We I mean, some of our older listeners may have been around for Whitey Ball or, you know, heard of Whitey Ball, so we know how exciting it is just Constant little action, but constantly action. We know how it goes. Well, moving on to our last game of the weekend, we've got a Cascadia Cup game, and there's still a couple of games left for this one. Um, And by a couple, I mean literally two. But as it stands, Timbers and Whitecaps played a game in Portland, and they ended up drawing 1-1. Just an update on the current Cascadia Cup standings. Uh, Timbers are leading the way with two wins, zero losses, and a draw, seven points. Sounders only have three points with a win and a loss. And the Whitecaps are in last, bringing up the rear with two losses and a draw for one point. I really don't think that this is surprising to anybody. The Timbers have been the best of these three teams, easy by a mile. Oh, in 100%. The competition. Um, oh, absolutely. The Sounders cannot shake their their Champions League hangover. They just can't. And the Caps, uh, after they lost uh, Maxime Kripo, uh just are leaking like a sieve. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that uh, with the next the next match of the 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 first of the last two matches is actually Timbers versus Sounders. Um, so depending on how that one goes, we might actually see the the champion of this quote unquote champion of this cup crowned. Uh, if Timbers get a win or even a draw, really, they're guaranteed the the cup. Uh, Caps no chance. But like you said, without Crepo, they really have floundered and have been leaking goals left and right. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't sell the Sounders second half revival out. But they don't look like they're going to get one right now. But neither did they when they, and then they went out inside Nicholas Ladero and went on an un- unbelievable run in the second half. So yeah. who can say? Yeah, I mean, like, don't. Yeah, like, I think that we are kind of underestimating the Sounders here because they have not been good uh, in recent form. But who know? Uh, they have a lot of talent on that team. <laughs> uh Kind of like you alluded to earlier, Sean. Uh, it's the Death Star, but people have found the like the exhaust port. Um, it's still a Death Star. <laughs> well, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, if you look at it, um, we keep saying, wait until we hit the All-Star break, the halfway point. We've already passed the halfway point. After, by the time the All-Star games play, there's only going to be single-digit games left to play in a 34-game season. Yeah, could be. There's not much soccer left to play after that All-Star game hits. I'm not selling my stock in Seattle just yet. I've seen this game play out before. I may not make a big bet on it, but I'm going to hold some chips back to 
Yeah, I, the most important thing that I've learned from watching MLS is that this is a really an, an any given Sunday league. I I honestly think though that this year is is Portland's year to go on a run, uh, just because those two, the last what seven or eight Western Conference Finals have have had either one or both of these teams in it. So I, I I think it's just Portland's turn this year to be the Western Conference final and, you know, have that deep run. And Seattle's like, we'll take a year off. We want a trophy already. Yeah, I tend to agree. If Sebastian Blanco gets hurt, Portland's going to fall. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you never want to wish a guy to get hurt. That's just mean. That's what happens when you well, have anyway, other players. It, don't yeah. wish it. Don't want it. He's great for the league. but. They really depended upon him with the Timbers. Yeah, Blanco's boys may have uh, may have a fall in them yet, but that's about all I've got for MLS. Unless anyone else has anything else they want to mention, um, just what a week it has been. Um, sponsored, not named rivalry week has been. Quite frankly, too much soccer for me to follow. <laughs> so thank God we have uh we have sh- <laughs> thank God we have Sean here to do it for us. <laughs> One last thing before we wrap up this show is the U.S. women's national team did what shocked the world. No, they did not lose. They did not shock the world. <laughs> uh, they did defeat Canada one to nil to win the Concacaf W tournament, securing. Their birth to Paris for the 2024 Olympics. They already qualified for the World Cup. And to tell us all about it, it's Mason. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's quite frankly, actually, I think that, Mike, you know more about this game than I do because you watch it. I wasn't able to. But what I do know is that Alex Morgan, uh, queen of the team, uh, converted a 77th minute penalty shot into the game-winning goal, um, and then won the Golden Ball, the MVP for the tournament. Um, I really don't think anyone's too surprised that the U.S. women won this tournament because the U.S. women's team is so good, absolutely dominant. Um, This is, what, their, their ninth win in CONCACAFW overall and they're third in a row like this is a team that cannot be stopped canada oh they're absolute absolute juggernauts yeah canada was a worthy opponent u.s women were all over them at the end alex morgan the penalty it was earned uh converted it and they all got to really celebrate another championship Oh, they didn't they didn't just celebrate this championship. <laughs> Let me tell y'all what I saw on Twitter. Time to turn every so... trophy into a Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh yes, in true trophy fashion, the way Alex Morgan, the most deserving of this opportunity, by the way, absolute champion of the team. Beautiful beautiful play on the field, lots of goals, won the golden ball this tournament. Um, she celebrates in proper fashion by taking said trophy and seeing how many margaritas she can fit in said trophy. The number was she said 20, on Twitter right? is estimated. <laughs> yeah, she estimated it at 20 margaritas <laughs> and then proceeds to drink margaritas out of the trophy because 
who else in American sports but Alex Morgan is more deserving of of that opportunity? Like she she exactly she is the most deserving American athlete in any sport. Arguably, <laughs> the Colorado Rapids able to celebrate the Stanley in that Cup fashion. on the ice. Alex Morgan drinks margaritas out of the 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 Concacaf W trophy. <laughs> oh yeah, and and as Mason has said off air, I def I agree with it. Um, I think we need to start treating more trophies yes. like the Stanley Cup and drink out of them. More trophies should be treated it. like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> hey, just a little mama's little helper for Alex Morgan. That's all I <laughs> <Yeah>. was. <laughs> Putting down uh, 20 margaritas as a nightcap. <laughs> I don't know if she drank all of them. I'm pretty sure she passed it around, but she's the one that posited the idea of let's see how many can fit in there. And then started to drink out of it. And I'm sure she passed it around. Golden ball winner. Her teammates won a trophy with her. Yeah, golden ball winner. You get the first sip, right? <laughs> oh, of course. And uh, we'll leave this episode with this thoughts for you all. Uh, the USA has won every CONCACAF tournament in the past year. The women have won the U-17s, the uh, U-20s, the Women's Championship, and the men won the Nations League Gold Cup in the U-20s Men's Championship. Clean sweep on the tournaments in CONCACAF. Canada did win in Full qualifying, but the U.S. did qualify, so that's a win as well. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. We really do thank you all for listening. Bye for now.